world came to a virtual standstill in one form, but something special was happening on another level. I think Joseph, think of Joseph talking to his brothers when he said in Genesis 50 verse 20, did you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for my good. My pastor in Lurgan Elam has a great term for times like these. He calls them holy hesitations. Times to reflect, times to take stock, times to catch our breath and to see what God is doing. I don't know about you, but I believe never has the world been so stripped back to basics. Families now have more time to spend with each other than ever before. There was the homeschooling around the table. All parents present for dinner mostly. Daily restricted exercise taken together. Times to talk to each other. Family times to be what God intended family to be. Some may see this place we find ourselves in as a negative. I choose to believe that God has given us a fresh opportunity. So this morning as I continue with Pastor Neil's series as Living as God Intended, I'm going to look at rebuilding the family altar. We're going to do it through one of the Bible's most famous altar restorations. I will cover why. The family altar is so important. What can happen when we truly give our family devotional time into God's hands and how we can accomplish it and live as God intended, as a God-centered family. One of my favorite Bible characters is Elijah, an ordinary man who makes mistakes. A bit like a Saul. An ordinary man who makes mistakes, but is powerfully used by God despite his failures. However, not on this day, Mount Carmel. A very famous story. Elijah challenges King Ahab's god Baal. The priests were to call on Baal to send down fire to consume the offering that was to be offered to him. They worship, scream, dance, all sorts of things for hours, and nothing happens. Elijah is even bold enough to make fun of their supposed god, Baal. But the Bible tells us in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 29, they raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice, but still there was no sound, no reply. We're going to pick it up from here. So if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to turn to 1 Kings chapter 18, and we're going to start our reading at verse 30, and we're going to go to verse 39. I'll be reading from the NLT version. And it says in verse 30, Then Elijah called to the people, Come over here. They all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took twelve stones one to represent each of the tribes of Israel, and he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he dug a trench around the altar large enough to hold about three gallons. He piled wood on the altar, cut the bull into pieces, and laid the pieces on the wood. 
And he said, fill four jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. And after they had done this, he said, do the same again. And when they were finished, he said, now do it a third time. So they did as he said. And the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. At the usual time for offering the evening evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately, the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried, cried out, The Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. Father God, I thank you for the reading of your precious word of truth. And I pray, O oh God, as we start to look into this, that you would enlighten us as to how much you want to be at the heart of our see here an ordinary man, yet a man of God, rebuilding the altar. That being the case, there is hope for us all. Neither did God build it, but he gives us the responsibility to build it. And then in verse 31, Elijah says, 12 stones symbolically representing the 12 tribes of Israel, the original family that God made his covenant through. So none of his family was missed. This was for the whole family. What an amazing picture here we have of no one left out. Jesus teaches us in Matthew 18 and Luke 15 that he is the good shepherd that pursues the one were the youngest to the oldest. All tribes, no exceptions. And I believe that the Bible teaches us that family is such an important part of God's plan for his people. In a world where we have seen restrictions coming in all directions, and I don't know what you do through your week, but for me, I do a lot of work in community, and I do a lot of work in schools. I have seen restrictions coming in in so many ways, what I can say and what I can't say. I'm limited to the reach that I have in those areas because of what man places on me. It's not about being bold to break through that because when we do, we will never get back in. It's about trying to adhere to the rules and regulations of that. The world where we have seen these restrictions come in. The family is the one place where we have complete religious liberty. And 
That's what God intended it to be. No one has any control over our families. What happens in the walls of our home? The family altar is a place where we grow spiritually as a family, dealing with everyday things, learning from each other, and helping one another to live out our full potential, knowing that this place is where help, healing, and understanding is made possible. But I think what is most significant is what Elijah does after the altar is rebuilt. Verse 33, he asks specifically for four jars. This is where it gets interesting. Water here is the most precious substance in barren lands. Not forgetting that they're in the middle of a drought. It hasn't rained for years. Water has become the most precious commodity. Water reminded me of that which is most precious to us in this generation, and that is time. Life is so busy that we normally have no time for anything. We always seem to be rushing here and rushing there. Yet now I believe we have a God-granted space Psalm 46 verse 10 says it. Still. That phrase be still is significant for us. That phrase be still means in the original to let go of your grip. Let go of all the things that are interfering between you and the relationship that God intends to have with you. But I believe this be still moment is all about. I believe God is teaching us that when we lay our time on the family altar to be sacrificed, set aside proper intentional time to spend with family and more importantly with God and family. So what can we learn from these jars of water and the rebuilding of the family altar? Number four in biblical numerology, signifies completeness and perfect creation. I believe God was showing his people through Elijah that they would create a more perfect and complete experience with God if they were willing to put here when we sacrifice our time and lay it on the altar, we're creating something perfect and complete for our homes. Time is something we always will struggle with, both young and old. But when we put it in its rightful place, it can be maximized for our good, for our spiritual growth and development and bring more honor to God inside and outside our homes. Go as far to say that your home is absolutely Then we have the second four jars. Number eight in biblical numerology signifies new beginnings. And I believe God again was showing his people that it's not too late to start again. What a picture. Offering them hope and a second chance. 
shows me that our God is a God of the do-over. He's the God of the second chance. The God that will let you do it the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, because he wants you to have a go. His grace is sufficient to cover any mistakes we make. This in itself, when it comes to the family altar, it doesn't matter if you've never had one before or you've made a mess of it in the past, or maybe you don't think it's going so well right now. I see see here a God who loves us and wants us to have another go. Wipe the slate clean. Then we have the third set of four jobs. Number 12 in biblical numerology signifies God's power and authority. When the final four jars were emptied, all was ready, all was poured out, every drop, for God to show his power and authority of who he was to his people at that moment. What Elijah did was he invited God. When we pray, we invite God into our situations, into our circumstances, into our difficulties, into our victories. Elijah prayed, then it came. Verse 36 and 37. Because we serve a God who will not force himself on you. We serve an incredibly gracious God that allows us the ability for free will and choice. He could very well make you. God here in the fire showed his people that I am who I say I am. I am the God that wants to be at the heart of worship for my people, for my family. So for us, when we rebuild our family altar and lay on it our most precious commodity time, I believe it's then when we see God do the miraculous in our midst. Then when we see God's power and authority in the restoration of our family relationships, it's then when we see God do the things that only he can when he has given the rightful place in the heart of our homes. So I've covered why it's so important, and I've covered what can happen when we put it into practice. How do we put it into practice? It would be wrong of me to leave it there. And these are only my tips and pointers. Maybe you have so many more to add to the list. I want to give you tools this morning to be able to leave this place and go and do something. Because I believe that's what the living word of God is all about. It's not just a storybook, but rather it is a book that is alive for 2020 and beyond. A book that we can take into every situation and deal with it. So I'm going to give you some practical pointers. First one is this. Make your time together a regular occurrence. Make it part of your daily family routine. The second one is this. Be flexible with this time. Don't make this daily time rigid because it has the potential to break your routine before you even get started. Flexible so everyone can participate at the most appropriate time. The third one is this. Let your time be dictated by the age. Age 
what the age of your kids can cope with. Young kids will not sit through 15 minutes of Bible study. Know your audience, build your discussions around things and subjects that they can participate in. Things that they're dealing with every day and that will keep them engaged. Maximize for number four, be prepared. Maximize your time through planning and preparation. Be ready. Do your homework. So when it's time, there's no running around for to try and find something to do. Start with prayer. Part of God. Contact your kids. Find out what they're teaching. what they're dealing with with their kids. Talk to people in social services. Find out the topical content that they're having to deal with every single day that your kids and families will be dealing with every single day. After all, you're the adult in the room. Lead by example in every aspect of your life. Show your family what real, authentic Christian living is all about. And openness. Make sure your family finds help and support. She had a woman in her church. And this mom said to her kids, she's having a really tough time. So they're going to go to the swimming pool, and I know that's maybe not. But she said to her kids at this time, We're going to go to the swimming pool. I'm going to put you in the car. I'm going to play some music. I'm going to talk to God. After I've finished, we're going to go to the swimming pool. And this is what she did. She gathered up her three kids, put them in the back of the car, and started to play worship music. And she cried and cried and cried, for she was having such a tough time. But she knew talking to God was the right thing to do. She said, go and stand in the car. I have had a really tough day. And this kid stood in the corner and prayed her heart out and cried her heart out. And as this leader stood with her jaw dragging off the ground, watching this kid engage and encounter God in such a practical way, turned around to see five other kids standing waiting to go to the corner for them. That's what authentic Christian living is for our families and our kids. Living it out loud, showing them the warts and all. And I'm saying we don't have to show them all the real. We need to see the practical ways in which we deal with it. This parent decided to show her kids that I'm hurting, but I know that my kids will learn from me when they see what I do when I'm hurting. I can talk to God. Maybe you're not sure where to start. As I've said before, talk to your kids' teams leaders. Talk to people that are in and around your community that can help you with that. Find out what they're teaching. Develop it from there. And if you're a kids' worker listening this morning, please support the families in your church. Help them to develop family ministry at home. Let them see your heart for the service that God has called you to. Share what you're teaching. Send activities based on that teaching home as conversation starters. 
chance a couple of rounded here.